We're in First Samuel chapter twenty-four. Uh, David has been protected from Saul. He escaped from Saul at the Rock of Escape. What a fascinating term. As a young lad uh, uh, has ran to David, or not to David, but to Saul, and he's given word to Saul that the Philistines are raiding the land of Israel. Saul was in the midst, just about ready to capture David. He has David and all his men surrounded. And it appeared that death was very near to David. David is cornered, trapped. And along comes this little messenger. And he tells Saul, come quickly, the Philistines are attacking your kingdom, our land. Saul must leave his pursuit of David to protect his kingdom. But in this we see the timing of the Lord is impeccable. You ever think God's a little late on rescuing you? No, he's never late. Many times we're stretched to that last moment, but God is always on time right on cue, and Saul abandons his search for David and David's 600 men, and Saul and his army of several thousand must go and fight the Philistines, and they leave David to escape to flee to En Gedi. En Gedi is a dense wilderness near the Dead Sea, and uh, it truly is a wilderness, and when we visited Israel, we visited En Gedi. It's a very thickly overgrown, dead-end valley with a waterfall that flows, I guess, seasonal back at the end of the valley. And you get there from the highways uh, near the Dead Sea. Again, depending on the time of year, in Getty can be extremely hot and it's secluded. And it is this canyon that doesn't have an outlet, so there's usually no wind or a breeze there. And you feel like you can suffocate in this valley. Very inhospitable, a true wilderness. So let's read 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went into a tent to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day on which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemies into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. 
Now it happened afterwards that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And then he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. It has been made known to Saul that David is in the wilderness of Engedi. And you can get trapped in some of these dead-end canyons there in Engedi. And Saul gathers 3,000 troops, warriors, skilled fighting men to hunt and seek David in the rocks of what they call of the wild goats. It's steep, rugged cliffs on the side where these goats dwell. <clears throat> There's an abundance of caves in these cliffs. It's also an area where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. So there's a lot of caves, a lot of rugged terrain there. Saul goes into one of these caves, and there's many, many caves there, to attend to his needs. He goes into the very cave that David and his men are hiding in. <clears throat> Saul went in there to probably escape the heat of the day, uh, and he, he decides to take a little nap. And Saul is napping near the entrance to this cave, and David is and his men are in the recesses of this cave. Same cave. David's, David has his men come and quote scripture to him. And they say, hey, it's written, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him whatever seems good to you. David, this is happening. Take advantage of it. And David is influenced to a degree by his men's word of scripture. And he slips over to Saul, David does, and he cuts off a corner, a piece of Saul's robe. Now, Saul wore a kingly robe, and it would have a circle around the bottom, around the hem, of blue dyed material. And it came along, and they also tied little tassels, little knots, at the bottom of this robe. The broader the blue stripe was, the more important you were, and it was a sign of wealth. And you could identify a person sometimes by the hem of his robe. And certainly Saul being king, you know he had a snazzy robe. robe. <laughs> and David cuts off a corner of the robe. And it has significance. Your family, your position as king is being cut away from you, Saul. And that makes verse 5 come to life. Verse 5, David's heart troubled him for cutting Saul's robe. Oh, to have a heart that tender before the Lord. And David says in verse 6, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to God's anointed. And he said, Saul is also my master. In David's heart and mind, 
Only God can remove Saul from being king. And Saul is God's instrument in David's life to school him into being a future good king. God is using Saul to train David. Sometimes we find ourselves in difficult situations and we say, why to God? Why are you allowing evil to prevail? Why are you allowing these ungodly people to be over me in positions of authority? God has a refining way of doing things. <clears throat> the making of David into a king, Israel's future king, Israel's greatest king, was not a, a task taken lightly by the Lord in David's life. And David's heart troubles him. And he turns to his men and he says, God forbid for what I have done. What have you done, David? He's cut off a corner of the king's robe. And he can't take any pleasure in this rash cutting of Saul's robe. David in his heart and in his mind, has resisted the lesson God is trying to teach him. David has took matters into his own hands at the urging of his men quoting Scripture. You can quote Scripture out of context. Uh, how many times have you heard people do that one? But we see the soft, the tender heart of David and it comes forth, and his conscience troubles him. Now, if David's heart troubled him from cutting his robe, what do you think his heart would have done to him if he had killed Saul? It would have devastated David. It would have tore him up so bad he probably couldn't have gone on. But we see the heart of David being tender before the Lord just for cutting his robe. And David laments. He says, I've stretched out my hand against God's anointed. Now, not everybody thought Saul was anointed, but he was. Samuel anointed him as king, and David wasn't going to interfere with God's anointing. There was a time not so long ago in our culture, that being a minister or a pastor was an honorable position. Now we're kind of put in that position as used car salesmen. You know, you don't want to trust one. <laughs> but Calvary chapels are known for being casual about the way we dress, about the titles that we share, and, you know, with our different people in the ministry. I was raised in a church where everybody was a brother. It was brother this or brother that, sister this. And that's okay. You know, I don't have any complaint against that. But <clears throat> being a pastor, you almost hesitate. I don't tell people up front I'm a pastor. Not that I'm ashamed of being a pastor, but I don't want to see them taken back and go, oh, I'm sorry for my, the things I said. You know, I didn't, mean, I didn't know you were a pastor, so I, I didn't mean to use foul language and so forth and so on. But in Calvary Chapel, we're casual about titles. But 
through the leading of the Holy Spirit, when I was almost 40, I was led to a church where they had a young pastor. And he was several years younger than me. And as I recognized this, I could not call my pastor by his first name. I couldn't do it because I realized God had me under him and he had a position of authority over me. And it was required in my own heart and mind to call him pastor, Pastor Damien. And I still introduce him that way, even after 20 years. Trying to honor God caused me to respect the man that God had put me under. This doesn't mean that I agreed with everything he did or said. I saw his flaws like we all have. It simply meant I understood my position under him, determined by God. And David's in that position. David is teachable before God. And God forbid that any of us ever get beyond being teachable. And when David stepped out, cut off the piece of the robe, he was not being submissive to his master. And Saul, he considered his master. And David's heart troubled him. You ever been convicted of sin? This is what David is going through. He's being convicted of what he did. But David is becoming this man of God with a tender heart that will serve him well when he's king. And then we hear David say to his men, his men that actually wanted him to kill Saul, So let's look in verse 7 and see what David has to say to his own men. So David restrained his servants with these words, and he did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterwards and went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, My lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? 
Whom do you pursue, a dead dog or a flea? Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. David has restrained his own warriors, his servants, and he will not allow any of his men to harm Saul. Saul, he leaves the cave, and David then from a safe distance, probably up on the hillside, bows down before King Saul, honoring Saul. And David has a question for Saul. Why do you listen to men who say, I am out to harm you? Why does that persist in your mind? Look at my hand, Saul. I have the corner of your robe. I got it right here. I could have easily killed you. Yet you hunt after me to take my life. And then David says, May the Lord judge between you and me, Saul, but my hand nor the hands of my men shall be against you. I will not raise up and fight against you, Saul. And by the way, the Saul, God has delivered me out of your hand many times. In fact, time and time again. So now let's read Saul's response, verse, verse 16 through 22. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice, don't miss this, and wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt with me, for when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him uh, get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. Now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul, and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Saul is broken. He's a troubled man. He had highs and lows uh, in his daily life. One moment he'd be chasing David, the next moment we find him weeping at David's words. Is this the voice of you, my son? And he is Saul's son. He's Saul's son-in-law. David, you've been good to me, and I've been evil towards you. That had to be difficult for Saul to say because he's tried to justify chasing David to everyone, to the prophets, probably to the Lord, <clears throat> But he says to David, may the Lord bless you and reward you for sparing my life. For David, you had a chance to kill me and you didn't do it. And by your behavior, David, I now see that you will surely be king over Israel. 
But Saul wants something from David. David, when you're king, spare my descendants. Do not destroy my children nor my descendants, nor desecrate my name. And David swore to Saul that he would not do this. David goes up to a stronghold. Saul goes home. And we begin to see the character of David come forth. And we begin to see why God calls David a man after his own heart. For David had a troubled heart for simply cutting a corner of the robe of Saul's. David, he refuses to kill Saul. He refuses to kill a man that is pursuing to kill him. We would call that self-defense. That would be justified. But David's heart troubled him that he even cut the corner of Saul's robe. Then we have David in this time frame. He will write Psalm 63. And he writes this psalm while he's there in En Gedi. So let's close by reading Psalm 63. Give you a moment to turn there. It's interesting, some of the most beautiful psalms are written while David is in the midst of trouble or just come out of trouble. But he always allowed the Lord to speak to him in difficult times, while in hiding, and out in the wilderness. And we can't determine when God will speak to us. Sometimes we try to press it in prayer. Lord, I'm going to sit here and pray till I get an answer. Three days later, you're still sitting there. No. God does it on his timetable. And David responds there in the En Gedi, and he writes Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth with shall praise shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I immediate I meditate, excuse me, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy shall go into the lower parts of the earth. Indicating David knows Saul's future. There shall fall by this, they shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. 
But I want to direct you just to the first verse. It's a great psalm. Read it. You know, it, it's... Uh, when I get down or out or anything, I always turn to the book of the Psalms and read them. But David declares in the first verse, O God, you are my God. We hear Muslims cry out, Allah Akbar. God is great. And they often cry this out right after they've committed an act of terrorism. So I want us to close with our own declaration here this morning. So I want you to stand. We're going to get a repeat time here. I'm going to declare to you, God is great, and I want you to declare to the Lord, God is great. God is great. God is great. Amen. And God, you are our God. You have delivered us. You have rescued us. We have visited the rock of escape many times, sometimes without even knowing, Lord, that you've watched over us and protected us. And Lord, give us a soft heart like David. May we be pure in our thoughts and in our behavior. May we never take vengeance into our own hands. We see David turning away from harming Saul, and all he did was cut his robe, and yet his heart troubled him, for he had raised his hand against your anointed. Give us a heart like David, Lord. Give us a heart that wants to please you in everything that we say and do. Lord, we live in a world where Being courageous, being rebellious is, is kind of looked upon as a good trait. But you look upon it for what it is, Lord. We want to be obedient. We want that soft and tender heart before you, Lord. We want to find ourselves like David, unwilling to lift our hand against any of your anointed, Lord. So put a guard on our lips. Many times we will uh, speak ill words of people in certain positions of power and authority foolishly, Lord. So put a guard on our lips. Help us to be men and women of righteousness, Lord. And keep and give us that tender heart before you. And we pray and ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.